you guys think goodness is mentioned in the Bible? No. 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 You're the closest. It's actually 51 in the King James Version. What do you want? You want Kit Kat? <laughs> Everybody wants Kit Kat. Yeah. There's so many Kit Kats in here. Um, so in the New Testament, the Greek word that's translated into goodness in that first text, it's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, if you guys want to bring that up. That's where we are finding the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and that Greek word, I'm going to butcher it if I try to say it, so I'm just not going to do that today. But it means uprightness of heart and life. And this word occurs only in Paul's letters. So it, this word for goodness only occurs four times in the whole Bible. Well, New Testament, I should say. I didn't have time to look into the Old Testament stuff. <laughs> you guys, Galatians 5, Isaac? Yeah. Just the fruits of the Spirit, you know. Just like the verse we've been going off of this entire time. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I probably should have mentioned all of my stuff is New Living Translation, Isaac. Forgot about that earlier. Okay. Cool, cool. So, within those four times that goodness is mentioned in the Bible, I'm going to read a couple of them to you guys, just because I thought they were really good. So, in Ephesians 5, verse 9, it says, For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And then... In 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. So you might wonder, what's the difference between kindness and goodness? Because they're very similar. Or in our day, they're very similar. So a couple weeks ago, Brandon talked about kindness. And kindness basically means that it, it is an outward expression of goodness. It's the practical ways on which we love others, in which we show the goodness that is inside of us. Kindness mainly involves being generous and considerate and helping others. Okay, goodness is, goodness on the other hand, is more of an internal quality that we develop through our relationship with God. It encompasses moral excellence, honesty, integrity, and righteousness. Uh, goodness involves righteousness in action or doing what is right. It's this uprightness of heart and in life. It's not just what you do, but it's the heart behind it. See, I'm losing my place. It's fine. So the Bible tells us that the word good actually means holy, pure, and righteous. 
literally goodness could be translated into godliness. It's more than just our, the way that our actions, so much more than just our actions. Goodness can often be seen, it can often be seen in our actions, but our heart also has to be pure behind it. The goodness of Christ is to be demonstrated by our lives every day, not just when we want to be kind to somebody. It's got to be something that you live with, that you, every single day, are being, having that integrity in you. In Matthew 12, I'm just going to hold this because it's easier. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Um, Yeah, so this is Jesus talking to somebody. I forgot to look that part up, but it's fine. So he's talking to these religious leaders. I believe they basically accused Jesus of that he was basically part of from devil from the devil and that the things that he were doing the things that he was saying were ungodly and so he responds with either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit you brought of vipers how can you speak good when you are evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks the good person person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure treasure brings forth evil i tell you on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned so if goodness means to be holy and it means to be pure and righteous. What does that look like in your day-to-day life? How are you able to be pure and holy and righteous? How are you able to get yourself to that point? Well, so to be holy basically means to be set apart. It means that you aren't like everybody else. You're not like every single kid that's in school with you. You're not like all of your peers that are around, all the people out in the world, you're not like that. You're supposed to be set apart to be holy. And having a pure, being pure is having a heart that is set on one thing and only one thing. And that one thing needs to be Jesus. It needs to be God. How are you able to be righteous? Righteousness, it can be described as having integrity, being honest, the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including your character, your actions, your words, and your attitude. It's not just your actions. It's also your character and the attitude that you have behind that. There's a couple different places in the Bible that talk about the goodness of God and how God's character is good. I don't think I gave you guys any of those verses, but it's fine. So, in one of them, it basically, just a summary, is his goodness is always with us. Everything good comes from God. He fills our hungry souls with good things. He, meaning God, is good. He does good and gives good gifts to his children. So how do we, as humans, show integrity? 
How do we show goodness in our day-to-day lives? Abby, I see you. Isaac? No, that's not how you show integrity. No, you're wrong. Yeah. No, you do not. (laughs) So in Genesis uh, 39, it's verse 1 through 12 is the first chunk of that. This story is all about Joseph, okay? And at this point in Joseph's life, he has been sold into slavery by his own brothers. His brothers decided they wanted nothing to do with him, and because he was the favorite child, they decided to throw him down in a well and then sell him to slave traders. Yeah, how rude of them. The nerve. But yeah, so I'm going to read it. It's kind of a long chunk So try and pay attention, please. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this, and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Pharaoh's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about anything except what kind of food to eat. Imagine that, okay? Literally, this guy, this complete stranger, okay? You're, brought, you're sold into slavery by your own family. You're in this unknown place with unknown people, but you have God, and that's all you have. Because that is it. That's all he had was God. That's the only thing that he had that was known to him. And then, while he's here as this slave, God is having him and helping him succeed in everything that he's doing. To the point where his master is doing nothing except for deciding what he needs to eat for dinner. That's it. That's just so cool to me. That's just awesome to me. That... God did that with Joseph. So, um, end of verse 6. When Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing except... Nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. But she kept putting pressure on Joseph, day after day. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. 
She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, how many of you guys know that it's easier to say yes than it is to say no sometimes? But in general, it's easier to say yes. Okay. So, with this story in mind, okay, if Joseph had slept with her, if he had said yes in this moment, most likely what would have happened is she would have been giving him favor in that household. She would have been giving him more things that were favorable in the short term. But because he said no, he basically got thrown into prison. He did. He got thrown into prison because he said no. And, like, it, you, it could be that it would have been easy for Joseph to say yes to Potiphar's wife, to forsake what he knew was good. But, like, there's so many things that you guys know that are easy to say yes to, whether it's your friends vaping at school, whether it's them gossiping in the halls. It could be, like hitting somebody because they accidentally ran into you, so you hit them back. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes it's easy to, do, to say yes to things without even thinking about it. Somebody offers you something that everybody else is doing that's popular at that time, and you say yes without even thinking twice. And so... In this moment for Joseph, it would have been probably easier for him to say yes than it was for him to say no. And I like how he didn't just say no to her. Like, he literally said, it's in verse 9, he said, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And he, like, he didn't just say, no, no, I don't do that thing. Oh, no, I just... I just don't want to. He was like, absolutely not. This is not okay. This is never going to be a thing. This is not happening. Like, she in verse 12, she literally grabbed him by his cloak and demanded it. And he still ran away. I mean, obviously, it's not okay what she did. But, like, the integrity of that man to say, absolutely not. This is not okay. I'm going to run out of here and leave my clothes because she won't let go of them. Because I am not doing this. It's just great. <laughs> I find it hilarious. It's just amazing. So, at this point, you would think, okay, Joseph did the right thing. He should have some type of reward, right? He chose not to sleep with a married woman, and he should get something from God in that moment, right? No. No, he didn't get that. He gets thrown into prison. And, yeah. And so he gets thrown into prison. Uh, let's pick up in verse 21 of that. So at this point, he's in prison, 
He's been thrown in there because Potiphar's wife basically accused him of raping her. And there's nothing he can do to get out of it because he's the slave. So he gets thrown in prison. And so while he's in prison, this is in 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more, no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Yeah. Like, literally, the Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded with everything. It wasn't, like, even in jail, Isaac. Yes. Even in jail, he was, the Lord helped him and caused him to succeed with even being in prison because he showed that he had integrity in his heart. Sometimes choosing the harder thing, yes, it's harder, but in the long run, it's better. So I'm going to transition it to this book now. So, yeah, this book. So apparently, Isaac gave this to me, and I didn't realize it until like a couple weeks ago. I totally thought I had to give it back to him. Um, so in this book, it's the, in the third chapter, I'm just going to read a little chunk of it, and I want you guys to pay attention, okay? Just over 50 years ago, the Golden Buddha was discovered in the city of Bangkok, Thailand. It was an accident. For years, a huge, ugly concrete Buddha sat in the middle of town. Visitors put empty cola cans and other trash at the base of this stained statue. Candy wrappers and other waste lay around it. Then one day, a priest decided to move the old statue inside to clean it. In the moving process, it cracked. As the pieces began to crumble, the crew noticed something underneath the concrete shell. They pulled the shell away and were shocked. Inside, they found the world's largest chunk of sculptured gold, standing eight feet high. For years, that huge chunk of gold was there, but nobody knew it. Instead, Little attention was paid to the statue. It got dirty, weathered. It was used to store trash. Would this have been done if people had recognized what was being stored inside of it? I believe that there is good inside of every single one of you. And maybe you just don't see it. Maybe you feel like the statue where there's good in you, but nobody notices it because you're covered up with concrete. People have thrown trash on you throughout your life. They've not given a care about anything to do with you. But I believe that there is gold inside of each and every one of you. And I believe that sometimes it takes being moved around and cleaned out to find that gold. And that only can happen through God. It can only happen when we allow ourselves to be cleaned and to be cleansed by God. It doesn't just happen overnight. 
it's not just a one-time deal. Oh, I went to desperation and I had this amazing experience with God and now I'm this gold statue. That's not how it works. Exactly. It's not science. (laughs) It takes time with God refining you for that gold to show and for that gold to come through. Um, Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This verse literally says you have to let God transform you into a new person. By, and it happens by changing the way that you think. It happens by letting your mind be renewed by God in order to change the way that you think, in order to become a person of integrity, with true, of having true goodness inside of you. Proverbs 12, verse 3. Isaac, this is for you. (laughs) It says, Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. There's a little chunk in this study Bible of mine that, um, like just in the footnotes of it, that I want to read to you guys because when I read it, it... It was really awesome. So you guys get to hear it now. To have deep roots and to be stable means to be successful. Real stability and success come only to those who do what is right. Their efforts stand the test of time. Yet sometimes it seems that wickedness does indeed bring success. We may know people who cheated to pass the test. Is this not success? They still passed, right? Is it not success? And what about the person who ignores his family commitments and mistreats his friends and family? These apparent successes are only temporary. They are bought at the expense of character. Cheaters grow more and more dishonest, and those who hurt others become callous and cruel in the long run. Evil behavior does not lead to success. It leads only to more evil. Real success maintains personal integrity. If you are not a success by God's standards, you have not achieved true success. Having integrity is more than just doing good when you're around others. It's more than just acting like a good person in front of people. It's showing integrity is being honest. It's being a trustworthy person. It's being fair with everything that you do. It's being responsible. And it's all of those things. It's not just one or the other. It's all of those things. It's being willing to say the hard things in love, even when you know it's going to hurt somebody. It's the heart and the mind behind what matters, not just the actions. So... I have a story for you guys of when I was not walking with integrity. (laughs) So when I got back from YWAM about three years ago at this point, um, 
I was not living how God wanted me to live. It's not that I was doing anything terrible. I just didn't care. I was at the point where it didn't matter if I had Christian community around me or not anymore. I just was doing my own thing. And it's not that I didn't believe in God. It's not that I didn't have my own relationship with God. But one of God's rules, one of God's things that he says is that we are in community. That as iron sharpens iron, like it's all over in the Bible that we need community. And I just kept not doing that. I was just doing my own thing. To the point where, I mean, I was working a ton at that point. And so that was my excuse for everything as to why I did nothing. was because I was just working all the time. was because if I'm working, that looks like I'm busy, right? If I'm doing school, it looks like I'm busy. Nobody questions it. Because it's not necessarily a bad kind of busyness. And so I basically told God, I'm not going to reach out to anyone because what's the point? What's the point of reaching out to people if they just kind of suck? Because sometimes people can suck. It's like, so for me it was literally, it was what is the point of reaching out to people if they're just going to be jerks? And so I basically told God, if you want me to have a community, you're going to have to figure it out because I'm not doing anything. That was not a very smart prayer on my part, but it's fine. (laughs) So probably like three or four-ish months after I had said that to God, um, I was coming to here on Sunday mornings still, and I was just kind of sitting, I don't remember where I was sitting, but I was sitting in here somewhere during church. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, they know. (laughs) And our very own Caitlin Goulson... (laughs) came up to me, and she asked if I wanted to get coffee with her sometime. And you know what? Everything in me said, no, I do not want to get coffee with you. Absolutely not. No. Because I was in a very weird place. (laughs) It was a very strange time in my life. But I was like, nope, absolutely not. I don't know why Caitlin is the one who came up to me and asked me, because no, there was nothing that she had done. Just, I just didn't want it to be Caitlin for some reason. I lost the game. But honestly, I couldn't come up with an excuse fast enough in the moment. So I just said, sure, why not? And then later that week, we went and got coffee. And... The entire, like, throughout that time, throughout that day, when we went and had coffee together, she just, she kept, she asked what I felt like God was calling to me to do in my future. And, like, what was the next step for me to take? She's like, I know you just got back from YWAM. I know you're a Christian. I know you just went through this whole thing with God. Now what the heck are you doing with your life? And I'm like, of course Of course you're going to ask that. Of course, Caitlin. (laughs) And really what I remember, like, looking back now, is that she saw 
that there was potential in me. She saw that gold in the middle of the statue that nobody else saw. And if they did, they didn't say anything. But she saw it, and she spoke about it. And, like, it needed to be called out. Because otherwise, I would have just kept on being like, unless somebody else reaches out, I'm not doing it. Because that was where I was at. So it literally took Caitlin saying, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? Maybe she says absolutely not, and then nothing comes of it. But maybe she says, sure, hesitantly. And then now three years later, I'm here. Yeah. What is, why, Caitlin? <laughs> Where did it go? Um, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 33 and 34. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning, for to your shame I say that some of you do not know God at all. That's, those are pretty bold words that are right there in the Bible. Basically, don't be fooled by people who are vaping. Don't be fooled by people around you who are choosing to gossip about people. About people, like, the people around you who are choosing to go out drinking and go out smoking at night and sneak out of the house. Don't be fooled by those people. Because those people, according to this verse, don't know God at all. Bad company corrupts good character. If you surround yourself with people who are doing things that you know are not right, eventually you're going to be one of those people doing those things that are not right. As much as we love to tell ourselves, well, I'm trying to bring them to God, well, I'm trying to show God to them, most of the time, if it's just one of you versus five of them, it doesn't turn out that way. Now, I hope for you guys that if you're in that situation that it does turn out that way for you. I hope that you can be the change in your group, but I would encourage you to find someone else to help you with it because we are stronger in numbers. We're stronger together than when we are on our own. You need to surround yourself with people with integrity. You just, you need to, it's as simple as that. You need to surround yourself with people with integrity. You might ask, how do I build slash how do I grow integrity and goodness in my life? How do I develop that characteristic? And what I came up with that made sense is that you have to be ruthlessly honest with yourself about your mistakes. You have, to be, you have to be willing to admit when you're wrong. You need to seek wise counsel, and that could be that you have to surround yourself with people who are going to call you out when you make a mistake. You need to surround yourself with, somebody, with people who will say, hey, you're being dumb right now. This is not a good choice to make. 
you need to be, you need to decide to honor God and not please people. That can mean saying no to your friends. It could mean a number of things. It could mean, you know what, no, I'm not going to go along with you guys while you guys are gossiping about people. It could say in the midst of them gossiping, you say, no, this is not okay. We, we need to not talk about this right now. You need to be appropriately transparent with people. And that means you don't just go tell your whole life story to every single person that you meet. That means that you have to find that wise counsel and you need to be honest with those people. It means that you have to choose to grow with God. And that could look like reading your Bible. It could look like praying. It could look like worshiping. It could look like literally when you are praying and talking to God, asking him to bring conviction in different places of your life to be able to grow you. I just want to end with, it's Psalms 15, uh, 1 through 5. It's the whole chapter, actually. Caitlin read this, and I was like, this is great. <laughs> Caitlin read this earlier, and I was like, you know, I read it uh, like a week ago, but I forgot where it was. So I didn't have it written down, but then she read it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the, what I was looking for that I couldn't find. So I'm going to read the whole chapter for you guys, and I want you guys to pay attention to this, because honestly, it's, it's good. Okay? Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. I want you guys to ask yourselves, do you speak the truth in, with and from a sincere heart? Do you refuse to gossip when your friends are gossiping? Do you keep your promises even if it hurts?